0: We are one in the spirit. I thought that song was probably like a state fair song. I was waiting for the carousel to go around. That's right. A psychiatrist visited a California mental health uh, hospital and asked a patient, how did did you get here? You shouldn't be here. I don't understand why you're here. What's the nature of your illness? And the guy looked at the doctor and said, Well, it all started when I got married. I never should have done it, I guess. I got hitched to a widow who had a daughter, a beautiful daughter, and she became my stepdaughter. Well, that was okay until Dad came. And Dad came and she saw my step he saw my stepdaughter and fell in love with my stepdaughter and married my stepdaughter. And so my stepdaughter was now my stepmother. Soon, my wife and I had a son, who, of course, was my dad's brother in law, since he was the half brother of my stepdaughter, who is now, of course, my daddy's wife. And since, well, I I told you that my stepdaughter married my daddy, so she became my stepmother. And since my new son is brother to my stepmother, he also became my uncle. And as you know, my wife is my step grandmother, since she's my stepmother's mother. And don't forget that my stepmother is my stepdaughter. And remember too that I am my stepmother's stepson so that her mom is my grandmother and that means that I'm my wife's grandson. Now hold on just a few minutes. You see, since I'm married to my stepgrandmother, I'm not only the wife's grandson and her baby but I'm also my own grandfather. (laughs) Now can you understand how I got in this place? Crazy, isn't it? When you step into this passage that we're going to step into today, you, like me, may feel like, what's going on here? You find yourself going. There's lots of connections and moves that Paul makes in this passage in Ephesians 5. And I want us to go slow this week because I want you to get something that's been exciting the Lord has put on my heart and uh, opening up some some dimensions to see this passage in new ways, and uh, it just seems like he alternates between subjects, and so at one time he's talking about husbands, and he's talking about wives, and he's talking about submission, he's talking about loving his own body, and then he's talking about wives again, and then uh, leaving parents, it's just like, and so if you ever get confused in scripture, uh, join the club, but we're going to go through this slowly, Because uh, there is something very significant that I want us to learn. And the theme this morning is the theme of oneness. And as we get into this topic, uh, I want you to pay attention. And pay attention well because there's something that directly affects you and me as you understand that this is not just a sermon that you're coming on Sunday morning to hear. This is going to be a life transformational experience. So I'm asking you to think and hear with an ear and a spirit that says, okay, Lord, change me. What does this have to do with me? From last week, I want to review. Uh, as you know what we're doing, we're, we're going through Ephesians and those six chapters where chapter one is about what? Integration. The God is bringing heaven and earth together. Chapter two, through the baptism, we are incorporated into Christ. And as our baptism is into Christ, Gentile, Jew, we're all brought together as one in chapter three, the institution of the church, where we are learning how the depth of Christ, the, the height, the width, the breadth, the length, all of that comes into the relationship that we have with the Father, knowing that we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're we're brought into an awareness that God is doing a work on the inside of us, in the inner man, which means that we're, we're going to be changed. And so chapter four, you walk in a manner worthy. Chapter four is about instruction, how we are learning to walk in these new ways. And chapter five, chapter five, just scoop right up to chapter 5. He starts with being imitation of Christ. That we walk in a manner as beloved kids. We're going to imitate the love of Christ. And so the theme of imitation is where we start off with chapter 5. Chapter 5 imitating, one, the love of God. The agape love of God. The grace of God. You walk in the light. We walk in the wisdom. We walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And last week we introduced this idea in the context of those things. You understand that the theme of submission is brought out. now let me, let me put this on pause for just a minute, because as we go into the Bible study, what I want to have you learn and do and, and think about it just don't read the Bible superficially and cherry pick a verse that this, this verse gives me the liver shiver, so this is the passage I like. You, you really don't want to do the, that reading that way. you want to really study in a robust way, to study what God wants you to know. And so what he wants us to know is that if you take the context, you've got to put everything in the context to understand the meaning. But if you lift a verse out of text, it becomes a proof text, a pretext for a proof test. So as we study the Bible, there are churches in the New Testament that didn't study the Bible, like the Corinthians were kind of relying more on their experience than they were on the revelation of Christ. And so the Corinthian church had real trouble. And so different churches have different struggles, but in Acts seventeen eleven, there was one church in Berea. You see the Berean Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul was saying was really true. They, they were looking at the scripture critically, but lovingly, but they're looking, they're, atten- they're not just, oh, that's nice, nice sermon pastor. They were looking at it for the different purpose to say, I want to know the author of this book. And so as we get into, I want to give you two uh, words so, so you sound uh, educated and, and that you start using these words, people go, oh. He's an educated guy. The two words that you may not know, and, and they're, they're, they're important words that you, you do, but you don't know these words. The, word, the one word is exegesis, and the other word is eisegesis. And the exit is exegesis. It's coming out. And exegesis means you read out of the text. You let the text speak to you. But eisegesis is when you read into the text and you read into the text what your filters, your bias, your culture. We do that in a way that we misunderstand because we're only believing what we believe and we're looking for the text to support what we believe. And so these are two important words. But the idea idea behind it is like this. You notice the word exegesis is the Bible is here and you stand under it the bible becomes my authority and the bible becomes the one that i listen to and if i am under the bible then if i disagree with the bible there's something i don't understand the problem is with me not with the bible but if you read in isaiah jesus if you the idea is i stand above the bible and i look down at the bible so the bible is below me and my interpretation of that is more my authority. I trust my understanding more than I trust the Bible, and that's the difference in terms of attitude. I either bring myself under or over, and we want to bring ourselves under. And as we get into the book of Ephes, of, of the of the book of Ephesians, last week I talked about oh, what I do as a as a linguist. Uh, you study word frequencies. And word frequencies means the number of times a theme is repeated over and over in the Bible, or in a book, or in a letter. And in last week we looked at the Ephesians book, there are 3,380 or 86 words depending on the translation. But the frequency of those words, you'll see Christ is the number one word used here in 47 times, and God is used 30 times. But removing God and Christ and uh, the, the theme, the prominent theme of Ephesians is one. That word one is everywhere all through, all through Ephesians. And it's used 26 times. More than grace and more than love, more than the Spirit. So the, the idea that Paul is really driving home is, is that there's something about the church that they have to understand this theme of oneness and it's not just oneness, it's a, it's a special kind of oneness. It's not just agreement, it's agreement that reflects something far beyond just a, a social norm or a group democracy or 51%. There's something radically different about this idea, and we want to go through that very slowly because this is the context by which you have to understand this word, Submission. So we're talking about light, we're talking about love and light and wisdom and being filled with the Spirit. And right in the middle of this is this word submission. And so what I want to submit to you, passage, if you you go on YouTube and you listen to some of these sermons, if you hear people take this passage out of context, you will hear that this passage is primarily about marriage. And I would submit to you this passage is not about marriage, and now that that was a different that, that twist of my head I thought what I, I mean, that was the passage I was I've been groomed on, trained in, using marriages. I thought, so I've been thinking about this. This passage is not primarily about marriage, really? As we go into this, I want you to see, because this is going to shift your focus. This passage is not about authority. It's not about headship, primarily. This passage is not about gender, male and female, primarily. This passage is not about the roles of a husband and the roles of a wife, primarily. So get this in the back of your mind, as you think, because the question is, as you think about marriage in our culture, is marriage then really a an illustration of christ's relationship to the church because if you look at marriage in our society, if that's the way Christ is reflected by looking at marriage and and that reflects how people in the church reflect Christ, given our society. Boy, who would want to be married? Divorce is up. Living together is up. Marriage is, is not being pursued as it once was. It, there's something happening in our culture because Satan wants to destroy the very institution that mirrors, that imitates this perfect relationship that he has. And therefore, as you think about marriage... Uh, Marriage in this context is a platform. There are three relationships that Paul goes into, marriage, parenting, and caring relationships in the homes, master, slave, which we don't have here. But we're going to look at those as not the primary focus, but as something that reflects something even far greater than that. And therefore, we want to go a little deeper into this passage. And so, as you Walk with me in this passage. You're going to hear some things I want you to think about. Now, again, this umbrella that you keep in mind in chapter 5, the overarching umbrella is this theme of imitation. If you're going to imitate Christ, uh, you're going to read thoughtfully and diligently what it means to imitate. That's, That's the overall umbrella. Did you get that up there? There, there it is. So when you read read each of these passages, read with the idea in the back of your mind, imitation, 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 imitation. That's got to be there as the base note. Because if you don't read that, you're going to misunderstand what he's saying. But as you imitate, what are you imitating? Well, you're imitating the love of Christ. You're imitating the light of Christ. You're imitating the wisdom of Christ. But you're imitating being filled with the Spirit. Because as Christ was on earth, as Christ comes down, he reflects that outward, outwardly. And therefore, you come to this idea of submission and you come to this idea of oneness because it's submitting to imitate Christ in our relationships, in the church, and at home. Like what John said, is, um, I want you to remember, like what John said, if we walk with Christ, if, if John, John and Peter and Paul, they all understood this, that if you had this vertical relationship with Jesus Christ, and you trust Him as your Savior, if this is true, you won't think, My Jesus, my Savior, me, 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 my, my, my. It won't be just an independent, individual relationship because that is an American way of thinking. Those are American glasses that says, I'm okay. I'm okay. That is not New Testament scripture. What the New Testament says, we, we, we. If we walk with Christ as Christ is in the light, then John says that we will have fellowship with the light. No, it doesn't say that. It says if we walk with Christ, we have fellowship with one another. So when Christ is present, there's an extension out horizontally. And this is what this is the backdrop, as you understand um, what Paul is getting at with this idea of oneness. So think with me. Oneness. Oneness. Jesus was one. I and the Father are one. Jesus brought the two together as one. And he prayed that, that the oneness that God and Jesus had would be the same oneness that you and I would have. It would mean that there would be a, a relationship that would be so close that you would not, not reflect and imitate the very one that you're connected to. And so this idea of connection, this idea of connection This idea of oneness is what Paul is trying to get at when he's talking, first of all, that you understand that this this oneness and this submission reflect not just a moral thing or or model of marriage. It reflects the very Trinity relationship that the Father, Son, and the Spirit enjoy. The submission is not just a Garden of Eden principle. It is a cosmic principle rooted in the very nature and person of Christ himself that Christ and God and the Spirit submit to one another. They're one with each other. And that oneness, that unity, that beautiful relationship is what he wants for us. And therefore, understand that oneness is anchored in the very nature and character of God. And therefore, if you understand oneness and submission, it is the distinctive mark of being filled with the Spirit. Now that jumped off the page when I looked at it last week. I thought, there are lots of things that would say, well, he's filled with the Spirit. He's going to be speaking in tongues. or You hear that. You hear Pentecostal experiences. You will hear, oh, he's in prayer. He's got a prayer life, a spiritual uh, relationship. There's lots of things when you think about the Spirit being filling people that they're going to go out with power and they're going to do signs and wonders. When Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit, he talks about, one, the worship and songs and hymns and spiritual songs. But when he's talking about filling and worship of Christ, the first thing he does, and get this, the first thing he does, if you're filled with the Spirit, you will submit I I thought, I've never heard that. Have you? Submission then becomes the mark if you're a person filled with the Spirit. Radical because, wow, I've never heard that. That's radical. Why is it radical? Because it's God's nature. It's not our nature because we have fallen, separated, we've lost that connection and perception with Christ and therefore it's about us but in the kingdom of heaven, it's never just about us, it's always about the kingdom and the king. And therefore, the mark of the Holy Spirit, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul says, you're gonna be submitting one to another out of reverence, out of reverence. And so, I'll, t- I'll come back to this, but the third thing is, he says, if you're gonna submit, you're going to submit one to another. Now, that's a really intriguing thought. It's And we talked a little bit about this in Sunday school, that if I'm going to be filled with the Spirit and I'm going to be submitting, I should be submitting to Christ. That's what it should say. But it didn't say that. It says, if I'm going to be filled with the Spirit and I'm going to be submitting to Christ, then I will be submitting to each one of you. It's to each other in the body of Christ. Now, Now stay with me because this is radical. I understand it's radical. But it means that that which Christ said that this new commandment that I give to you, that you love each other even as I have loved you, as I have loved you, as I submit to you, as I give myself to you, you will be known as a community of people that are more Christ-like because you love well, because you're submitting, because you're filled with the Spirit now that was something I thought, I didn't see that. Because I'm thinking about marriage. But the passages, when the Spirit of God comes in Acts 2, they were all together. They were of one accord. There was a harmony. There was a unity. There was a community immediately established because the Spirit of God had come. And therefore, to understand that submission promotes the oneness and the oneness promotes submission. They go together. There's a, there's a dance where if you bring in this relational quality, you're going to see God's Spirit do something unusual in the body of Christ. And so this oneness, this submission, means... And get this, because this is not the image that we have of, of submission. Submission comes out of this issue of worship and being filled with the Spirit... Because in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, the filling of the Spirit, there's a sense of, of worship and reverence and respect. I love Christ. I, I want to obey Christ. I want to follow Christ. It's this idea of I want to be with him because, because he is who he is and he's called me to be in this relationship with him. This is a relationship of affection, of worship. And therefore, to submit, to become one, and to be one, and therefore I submit, is all of the theme behind what Paul's going to get into in a minute. But then submission means we present ourselves. And last week we talked about uh, the word submit, mit, M-I-T. It means uh, to submit, to send under. MIT means to send, admit, emit, omit, transmit, commit, permit. You get the idea. But the idea that the MIT and Miss mission, commission, committee, all those are tied together, that a group of people are working together for a purpose. And what is that purpose? Well, the purpose is to glorify Christ and do the will of God in community together. So the idea that, that we're, we're being sent together to send and move in relationships, this means that if you think about I'm coming towards you with your best interest at heart at my expense. We've talked about that. That's what love is. But sin means I'm moving to you for my best interest at your expense. But submission means it's not about me. Submission then if you don't understand this passage, if you are single, if you're a teenager, if you're a high school, if you're a widow, if you're divorced, you will misunderstand. They well, this is about marriage. This is not about marriage. This is about the whole community of the church being able to come together and present. You bring yourself for who you are and what God has done in you Because what God is doing in you is more important than what you would do for God. What your story is, is really important for the whole community because you bring a reflection of Christ that nobody else can bring. And therefore you are part of a community. And as you present yourself single, married, divorced, or whatever, young, old, you bring yourself and you submit yourself one to another. It means your gifts, your talents, your personality. If you're an introvert, you bring your introversion out. If you're an extrovert, you bring your extroversion out. If you're gifted in spiritual gifts, you bring that out. Why? Because you give. You move in these relationships for the purpose of bringing a oneness, a unity so that the glory of Christ is reflected in the whole body. And this idea is so important because it says as we present ourselves, we bring ourselves, we present and introduce ourselves, we give ourselves, we we display ourselves. We are who we are because God has redeemed and restored who we are. And who you are, you become alive in Christ. It doesn't mean you cut off yourself or you reduce yourself. It doesn't mean that you think less of yourself. It means you think of yourself less as C.S. Lewis would say. But it means you come. And as I come into a relationship with you, and as I bring that oneness and that submission to you, you should feel this connection in the body of Christ. And so often, a lot of churches, they're not connected. They pretend to be connected. They don't even go across the aisle to shake hands. They won't say hi. They're just kind of, my Jesus, my Savior. And they go their own way. Paul is introducing something radical here. And so what he says is this. Submit to one another, to each other. It, this isn't about authority. This is not about submitting to the pastor. This is not about submitting to the, the elders or the deacons. This is, not about, this is not about the rule of the church this is about the giving and the submission, the, the, the presenting of myself to each other as a body of Christ. Now, if you do, now Linda and I know this. Uh, when she does the programs, we go through Google and we look at these images. And we find some picture that captures the idea. If you go on, online and when you hear the word submission, over and over and over again, you'll see this idea of a couple. And usually because this is the context that most people think. This is, it, says, it says submit to one another. I'll go back. Submit to one another, to one another. It doesn't say submit to the couple. This is a, this is a group. And, but the pictures that we have is always to, well, I'll submit to one another, just two people. This isn't two people. This is the whole body. And that's why you've got to get that context in mind. And so, But it says, submit to one another in the fear of God. Fear of God is the King James Version. But the word is Christos. It's the Messiah. It's Christ. And so you submit to Christ out of reverence for Christ, out of respect for Christ. And in this respect, it means this, that you worship Christ, you adore Christ, you esteem Christ, you cherish Christ. And as you cherish Christ, and as you do all those things to, to honor, to be part of this, is you, you've been called and, and brought in, you want to be with him, and you can't see living apart from him. Submission is not a choice to say, "Well, I don't know if I should submit or not." It's like submission is a call to enjoy this affectionate wonder that Christ loves you with a passion and pursues you, and gives his life to you. We don't think about that with submission. But that's what submission means. I present myself to you. I give you everything I am. That's what Christ does. And yet to think that we would do that one to another, you miss the point. We do this as a body of believers. And therefore, open the door to the thinking that this is about a larger community. We are submitting and presenting and giving and loving in respect and reverence out of Christ, but we do that same thing we would do to Christ. We bring that in a relationship where I guard your dignity, I respect who you are, I honor, I cherish, I appreciate, I affirm. This is all that's entailed of this idea that as a church, you come together because you're one. And it's a warmth, it's a, it's a love, it's a light, it's a wisdom, it's a filling of the Spirit that says, when I come, I'm going to give myself to you. I'm not going to compete with you. I'm not going to compare myself with you. I am free to be who I am, but I'm going to come into this relationship where you can enjoy what it means And therefore, there's a shift here, and what Paul what Paul is saying is that he uses Christ and the church as a metaphor for marriage. Now, there's a switch here. Pay pay close attention to this, because it's Christ and the church that is the metaphor for marriage. It is not marriage that is the metaphor of the church. Now that takes time to think about this. Because the principle of submission and oneness comes out of this call to be walking and imitating the nature of God. You are called to connect. If you are restored, you are no longer divorced. If you are connected, you are no longer separated. This oneness is why Christ came to bring us back together. And therefore, when you think about this picture of marriage, keep in mind imitation. Keep in mind oneness. Keep in mind submission. Keep in mind this affectionate desire that I want to be with you. Of course I would. Why wouldn't I? This is about the love, the light, the wisdom, and the filling of the Spirit. And therefore, it's the way the church is to be with one another. It's about... This type of oneness, this type of community that we say here at Chesterton Baptist, when people see us, will they see Christ in us? Will they see Chesterton Baptist? Will they see a nice group of people that's a nice social group that works well together, or will they see Christ? And it's a different kind of oneness that Paul's after for the Ephesians. And remember, the Ephesians were were very independent. They were sexually addicted. They were alcoholic. They were, they were litigious. They were, they were about themselves. It just, they had no other centeredness about them. But when Paul calls them, he says, I want you to understand that it is the Lord who once praised that they would be one as we are one, and the two shall become one. The man shall leave him, his mother, and the woman shall leave a home, and they will travel on, and they two become one. And so there's something about this oneness that Paul is trying to drive at. And what he's saying is that this is the kingdom thinking. This is the light thinking. This is how God wants you to experience. That if, if you understand what I'm saying, you're going against everything that Genesis says is wrong. When, when God says, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. But loneliness is not good. Isolationism is not good. Independence is not good. But what is glorious is this oneness, this connection, this beauty that when I come to you, you should rest in the fact that I'm here on your behalf. I'm seeking your best interest because God is seeking your best interest. And therefore, to understand, and and as the backdrop, as a context... This is kingdom thinking. And this thinking then becomes the very influence of the spirit that shapes the attitude of the wife as she moves towards the husband to submit, not because he's the male, not because he's the head of the house, not because of the position, not because of the culture, because she wants to. I want to be with him. I want to be one with him. I want, and that's what this is all about. And likewise, the husband, it addresses his attitude. Now notice, when we think about submission, usually it's a one-way, top-down, male to female. That's the way this is perceived. This is not the way Paul talks about it. He says, submit one full thing. And therefore, there's a mutual submission going on. There's a beautiful thing. And therefore, if you understand the oneness here, the oneness is submitting to imitate Christ to my wife, to imitate Christ to my husband—it's I want to imitate because I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm other-centered, and I move to the oneness because I want to, not because I have to, not because it's the rule or the moral or the authority or the hierarchy. Or the, it's about relational connection. And that's the beauty of this thing. It's the oneness. It's these pieces coming together. And when the pieces come together, there's a wondrous beauty. And this beauty is what Paul wants you to understand. Submission as we present ourselves gives the very reflection of the imitation of Christ to each other. And that's what this submission and oneness is all about. Now, the idea is that the church then becomes the metaphor for marriage not marriage is the metaphor for the church that the way we relate in the church is that's what this is about and then next week we'll look at these three relationships well how does that work out how does it really work out in male in 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 the marriage what does it mean for a husband to submit to the wife now last week i I I told Sandy about this. There are 12 verses here. The longest passage on marriage. Two and a half verses have to do with the wife. Nine and a half have to do with the husband. Sandy says, oh good. (laughs) The idea of what it means for a man to submit. What does it mean for Christ to submit? That's what you gotta get, we do this to imitate Christ. Next week we'll talk about it. but not only with the marriage in parenting. How does that work with parenting? What does it mean that kids obey your parents and they submit to the do the parents submit to the child? Mm. Well, how about masters and slaves? This we don't have slaves, but in many places of the world, this is a household servant, a butler, or one who comes in. You care for those, and so as we move into those three pictures. Keep in mind this context, because if you don't, you'll misunderstand. This is not about marriage. This is not about parenting. This is not about work relationships. This is about reflecting Christ in the oneness that he has that's supposed to be in the church, and you're called to be part of that. And as we grow in that, what will happen is you bring everything that you are, all that you are. Strengths and weaknesses because we are committed as a body of Christ to reflect him. Isn't that great? There's more to this. So you can unbuckle your seatbelt and we'll continue next week. But I just want you to remember that, that this submission is to one another. And as we do that, we reflect and imitate the very glory of Christ. Let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, your your ways of thinking are so much higher than ours. And sad to admit that the culture too often interferes, and we don't hear you. But would you give us ears to hear this, Father, this morning, and give us the humility and the grace to say, teach me again. As we search the scriptures, uh, help us to understand what this means for us at Chesterton Baptist to be the church on earth. The foundation that you set up, but we walk together, we work together, we reflect Christ together. So, Lord, take these words and make them a reality. For your glory and for our growth, we pray. Amen.